0: The Bible says, and God said, let us make man in our, what's it say, my friends? In our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth, Upon the earth. So God now creates man in his image and gives him dominion. Now we're going to study another aspect of man that we have not yet studied. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, watch what your Bible says. Uh, Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7. The Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became what, my friends? So here in Genesis chapter 2 is another account of the creation of man. In this chapter, God literally forms man with his own hands and then breathes life into man. Man does not have life in and of himself. The life that he's receiving, he receives from God. Does that make sense everybody? Now it's interesting because the nature of man is a question that entertains the minds of many around the world. In fact folks always ask what happens when we die? Some people believe that. Some people believe that when you die you can communicate with the dead once you have passed away. You get in a group and they can show up there. Life U.S. News World Report says life after death, science searching in meaning in near death experiences. And then you have other people that said they died or they've been to hell and back literally or they went to heaven and came back. The que- the question is, what does the Bible teach in regards to the truth of what happens when you die? Go to Genesis chapter three now. Genesis chapter three. And notice what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3. Now, my friends, the subject that I'm sharing with you tonight, every one of you, I don't care what church you go to, how long you've been in the church, every one of you must understand this subject for yourself. And what I mean by that is every text that I give this evening, you need to go back and study. Every text that I give you, you need to have it riveted and seared into your mind because the devil is going to try to trick you. All right, so watch what it says in Genesis chapter 3. In verse number 1, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than all the beasts of the field, which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman, Yea, have God said ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye, what's it say, my friends? Lest ye die. Now watch what the serpent does because he's tricky like this. He says and the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. That was tricky. He said you will not surely die. Notice how I went up the pitch. Because his trick is in the subtlety of that word. Did God really say it, based on what we read? Did God say it? Yes, he did. But the devil wants you to question what the word of God actually says. Now, he will do that on any level, for any temptation, for any sin. But in particular, he's questioning the reality of the nature of disobedience and what happens to man when they disobey God. Are you following the idea? Don't watch what the Bible says. Verse 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing, what's it say, my friends? Now, I want to just say this to you, The, the God of heaven never intended that you know evil. The God of heaven never intended that there be any pain. He never intended there be any suffering. He never intended there be any sorrow. It is us that have followed the trick of the devil and said, I want to know evil. You don't believe me? How many times have you lied? How many times have you stolen? How many times have you watched something on television that you know is not so good, but you just say, you know what, I'm just chilling, I'm just hanging out. My friends, we all tamper with evil, and we eat from this fruit almost daily. Have mercy, brothers and sisters. God never intended that we know evil, but now that we know evil, how many of you want to know evil more? How many of you want to know it more? You don't want to know it more? You know, the, the Bible's teaching allowing us to go through this experience because we need to come to a place where we don't want to know any more evil. When we walk and see evil, it should pain us. When somebody tells a dirty joke, it should move you to cringe, not to laugh. You see, my friends, we in reality still tamper with and play with evil. We don't really believe that we will surely die. You know why we didn't die right away? Why, why Adam didn't die right away? Why Eve wasn't wiped out right away? You know why? Because you couldn't see it. But the Bible says in Revelation 13, verse 8, Before the foundations of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. Upon immediate rejection and disobedience to God's law, grace was implemented so that you and I would not suffer the full consequence of breaking God's law. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is only by mercy and grace that we are here. And it's that grace, listen to me carefully, it's that grace that allows us to experience both good and evil. Y'all not hearing nothing I'm saying. Uh, Let me give you an example for a moment. If you would just think with me, think about the character of God. Let's just say for a moment, God made a tree in the garden, and it was only the tree of life. He never put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. Let's just say he put the tree of life there. Man would never have had the ability to choose. Now, if God removes the ability of choice, he removes the existence of love. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, God could have, in his infinite wisdom, you say, how come there's bad in the world? How come there's evil in the world? The reason why there's bad in the world and evil in the world is because we have chosen it. But I tell you the truth, once we make a decision with God and we say to God, Father, we vote for Jesus, not for Trump, not for Elizabeth Warren, not for these earthly rulers of this world. We want who? God. Oh, no, everybody's not voting. I didn't hear it. You know? who, who are we voting for, my friends? We vote for Jesus, and the reason why we vote for him, because he can do something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. He can put righteousness here, goodness here, but man, he decided he wanted to try something, and by trying and disobeying God, he introduces sin and death into the world, and the devil says, you will not surely die in the Hebrew, it says, "In dying, you shall die." In dying, you shall die. Great line. Let, now I want to put this on the screen. John eight forty four. The Bible says, "Ye are of your father the devil." And first of all, if somebody says, "Who's your daddy?" It better not be the devil. But here it says, "You are of your father the devil," and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer. From when, my friends? from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him when he speaketh a lie he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and he is the father of lies now I'm going to tell you something tonight I'm going to expose a lie of the devil that has perpetrated the entire world and many my friends are going to fall in this deception, and this this deception has found its way into the 99.9% of churches, 99.999% of all religions, this lie. And tonight, this lie is going to be exposed. The question is, will you hold to the lie, or will you hold to the truth? The ancient and honorable, he is the head, and the prophet that teaches lies, he is the tail. First John 3 verse 15 says, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Now, my friends, I I tell you the truth. This is one of the richest and deepest subject matters that we could go over. So I I put up on the screen the the framework of the architect, the devil, himself. The first thing the devil does, and you can do this in your own life, the devil causes you to question the word of God. Half God said. When you have something on your plate and you say, oh, it looks so good. And then we studied last night those things that are actually good for you, Right. We didn't go into great detail because there's so much education that we need in regards to the development of our physical body temples. But however, we put the food in front of us and we analyze it. Does it match the principles that we've been learning from Scripture? Yes or no? Someone says, no, but I love it so much. (laughs) At that point, you're faced with some realities, right? Do I obey what the word of God says or do I go with the God of my belly? You have two choices. Have God said? That's the first step. Number two, he directly challenges the word of God. The Lord said that? Oh, really? You know what he's doing? He's trying to hide something from you. He's trying to keep something good from you. Step number three, he presents the truth as something that is, the truth as something that is hidden. And in this passage, it's the introduction of the phraseology of the occult. You know, occult means hidden knowledge. That's what it means. It means hidden knowledge. So he presents it this way. And then lastly, he presents falsehood as something extremely appealing. This is the anatomy of deception. Let's let's move uh, away from food, and let's do this just for the concept of sexuality. Here in sexuality, the Bible teaches that intercourse between man and woman is to happen in the context of marriage. Amen. Amen. But he... The devil says, have God said? I mean, as long as you love each other. He he causes you to question. Then he goes to the next part. He directly challenges God's word. I mean, male and female. This is a book written by men anyway. It could mean something else. Are you following how he does it? He's slick as a rascal. Then he goes to the next step. He says, but everyone needs love. And she's willing to love you. He's willing to love you. Step by step, leading you away from what thus saith the Lord, and now you're in your feelings. Not in the truth, but in your feelings. And then we create a whole philosophy around our feelings. I think, I feel. Not thus saith the Lord. Not the Bible says. Not Jehovah has spoken, but my pastor said. Listen, your pastor said, Brother Waller said, doesn't matter. Amen. Amen. What does the Bible say? And then he presents falsehood as something extremely appealing. You get to have sex every day. You can have sex with any people you like. And he corrupts the concept of what is supposed to be sacred in the confines of this wonderful blessing called marriage. You can take any sin, any temptation, put it in his framework. It works out exactly the same but I'm I'm giving you this because there's more. This lady is named Helena Blavatsky. Not gonna spend a lot of time with her, but she is actually a, was a witch. One of the new modern versions of witches and Alice A. Bailey, who came after her, continued that witchcraft and then the United Nations took the philosophy of these witches and inculcated it into their undergirding philosophy of their operations which I don't have time to share you right now I'm throwing it at you you ain't got to believe that but you do have to believe what she said Satan the serpent of Genesis is the real creator and benefactor the father of spiritual mankind and who was the first to whisper in the day ye eat thereof ye shall be as Elohim knowing good and evil can only be regarded in light of a... What's it say, my friends? So there are people that actually look at Lucifer and the devil as a savior. This rebellion in the minds of the unsanctified mind was actually a rebellion for good. But what happens when someone really dies? Is death really the end? The devil says, you will not surely die. But the Bible says this. Genesis 2 7, we read it already. It's an equation I want you to lock in your mind. Notice the equation, Genesis 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So this is a biblical equation. Dust plus breath equals living soul. Biblical equation. Dust plus breath equals a living soul. Now you just invert the equation. Dust minus breath equals what? Not a soul. That's the biblical equation. I didn't make it up. It's right there. You see it with your own eyes. But there is this concept that the spirits are our dead loved ones. They are somebody else who's come. No, my friends, I'm going to share with you tonight. You're going to see clearly that these spirits that do appear, these are not dead loved ones. There's not someone looking down from heaven giving us guidance as we walk along the way as a, as a dead loved one. No, my friends, these are unclean spirits. In fact, I want to show you something. Hold hold your hand in Genesis. Go with me to Revelation, Revelation chapter 16. Watch here what the Bible says. In Revelation chapter 16, and I want us to begin reading verse number 12. Revelation 16 and verse number 12. Make sure you mark every verse. The Bible says in Revelation 16 and verse number 12, and the sixth angel poured out his vow upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw, what's it, what does he see, my friends? Three unclean spirits, like, what's it say, my friends? like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the what my friends false. false prophets so we have unclean spirits like frogs i wonder why does the bible make a mention of unclean spirits like frogs my mind races it just went to exodus just now and i believe it's exodus chapter 5 i could be wrong I believe I'm right. Exodus Exodus chapter 5. And Moses is standing before Pharaoh. And if I'm wrong, just help me out. And I'm looking for the frogs. Anybody know where the frogs are? (laughs) What is it? Is is it Exodus 8? All right, let's go to Exodus 8. Thank you for that. Which one is it? All right, I started at Exodus chapter 8, verse 1. Now, again, watch what the Bible says. It says, And Pharaoh said unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And if they refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all the borders with, what's it say, my friends? Yeah. With frogs. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into the house and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed and into thy house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens, and into thy kneading troughs, and the frog shall come up both on thee and upon thy people and upon all thy servants. Now, tell me, does this sound like a little bit of frogs or a lot of frogs? So, in Revelation, when I'm reading this, it says three unclean spirits like frogs. It seems to be indicating that this is a proliferation. They are everywhere. Listen carefully. They're everywhere. And it's also interesting. I want you to note something else about this encounter. It says in verse number 6, And and Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their, what's it say, my friends? Enchantments. Enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. So here the Bible indicates not only was Aaron and Moses able to make the frogs appear, but the bad guys, if you will, with their enchantments were able to do the same thing. They were connected with a unclean spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So the Bible is indicating that in the last days, there's a spirit, unclean spirits, going forth abroad to make us unclean. Now you must be careful because some of us watch these unclean spirits on TV. Some of us listen to these unclean spirits on our radio. Be careful, little ears, what you hear, huh? Notice, I'm going to, sh- this story is uh, Noah's, Noah's Ark. Everybody knows Noah's Ark? I want to give you a little bit of a genealogy, a little bit of a study. Where did this idea or concept of immortality of a soul come from? So there was a flood, and Noah ends up having three sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Of these three sons, Ham has a bunch of children Cush, Mizraim, Phut, Canaan. And then Cush has six sons Sibah. Hevelah, Saptah, Rama, Saptika, and then we have Nimrod. Now, Nimrod is the builder, he's the builder of cities. He is the first, not just city builder, he's not the first city builder, but he's the first kingdom builder. Y'all not hearing nothing I'm saying? Make sure you mark that in your brain. In Genesis chapter 11, you'll see, or is it 10, that he literally is the first one that is in charge of this city. He's in charge of this city, he's in charge of this city, and he's in charge charge of four cities. He's the first kingdom earthly builder. Now notice what Genesis 10.8 says. And Cush begot Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. And he was a mighty hunter, and the King James says before, but the Hebrew actually says against the Lord. So Nimrod was anti-God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He was anti-God. Nimrod was a, uh, Nimrod, he was a mighty hunter against the Lord. Wherefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before or against the Lord. Now, why is this important? So this is Genesis chapter 10. That's, that's right. And these are the four, the four nations that he built up. Babel, Iraq, Akkad, Kelna. Nimrod married a woman called Semiramis. Pay attention. The name Semiramis is a later Hellenized form of the Sumerian name Samu, Samaramat, or Gift of the Sea. And why is this important? There's a story told of Semiramis. Yeah, let me go a little further before I get to the Pangaea. There's a story, a story told of Samaramis, or her other name was. Anybody know what her other name was? Anybody know? What is it? Hey, let me show you. Actually, let me go back. Wait. She has a lot of names, actually. Let me just go here Tower of Babel, past that. Her other name in the Bible was Ashtaroth. Now, I'm gonna, let me get off the screen, I don't want you to see that yet, I'm gonna back. We're in, we're in teaching mode right now. So here, her name is Samaramis, or her other name being Ashtaroth. Nimrod marries her, Nimrod dies. When Nimrod dies, they have this big ceremony and she takes over. And when she takes over, several months later, she gets pregnant. Mind you, she's not married. She told everyone, I have been impregnated by a sunbeam. Y'all not hearing nothing I'm saying. She got impregnated by a sunbeam because Nimrod, when he died, his soul went to the sun. And Nimrod now impregnates her from the sun, and she has a baby named Tammuz. And this baby named Tammuz, based on the mythological story, this baby named Tammuz is born on December 25. Okay, that's the story. So the idea is this idea of the soul being immortal starts in Genesis 2 and says, uh, you will not surely die, and then it's proliferated throughout all religions. Now watch this. I'm going to go back to this other picture, this picture here. You see Israel? Israel? They had three, Baal, Ashtaroth, Tammuz. The Phoenicians had El, Astarte, Bacchus. Babylon had Belus, Rhea, Ishtar, Tammuz. Assyria had Ninus, Beltis, Hercules. These are all the same trio. They just have different names, and the reason why they have different names, let's go back for a moment. The reason why they have different names is because when the Tower of Babel came on the scene, In Genesis chapter 10, the earth at some point was all kind of together. It was like one big, solid continent. And then in Genesis chapter 11, the Bible says that God had to come down and confound their language. You guys remember that story? When he confounds their language, they take the same general confused story in those different languages, and it spreads in all different parts of the world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? it's called confusion babylon babel and in fact the tower of babel simply means the initial understanding of it was gateway to the gods that's what it meant the hebrews understood that being to be confusion <laughs> are you understanding do you understand yes or no all right so let's go a little further so when that pangea happened the earth kind of separates And then we start getting our continents the way that we are. We're separated by water, different languages, but the same religion now has been diluted and now is all over the world with this same concept of the false trio, the false trio of a father-God-son concept. And it goes through the whole systems of all religions. But let's go a little bit further. I don't want you to get caught up there. So Satan, in the Garden of Eden, did Satan just come as an angel to Eve? Did she just say, hey, I'm here, follow me? Did he do that? So what did he do? He used a medium. Anybody paying attention? He used a medium. He used Eve. He spoke through Eve. Eve was now the conduit by which he communicated his false teaching. In, In paganism, paganism, is used as a conduit to be a persecutor against God's people. He used paganism. I'm not going to put the name of this other one right here, but the last one there is modern spiritualism, illuminism, spiritism, theosophicalism, even a lot of major forms of psychology, and pantheism. And I could put many other isms up there, but these are all mediums by which the devil has come to corrupt the mind and the soul. Are you hearing me? But I have a lot. Listen, we're not even, we're not even at the surface yet. Let's, let's just keep going. I want you to go to Job 4 verse 17. Job 4 in verse 17. And I praise God that you came out tonight. This, this subject matter for many years has been one of the toughest ones to present. Job 4 verse 17. Notice what the Bible says. It says, Shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Now, I want you to notice the nature of man here. How does the Bible describe man? He describes him as mortal or immortal. Read it again. He describes him as mortal. Mortal. What does it mean to be mortal? You can die. Let's go to the next one. Romans 6 and verse 12. Romans chapter 6 and verse number 12. Notice what the Bible says. Romans 6 and verse 12. The Bible says regarding us and our nature. Romans 6, 12, let let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey in the lust thereof so now your body is considered mortal let's go a little bit further Romans 8 in verse 11 Romans 8 in verse 11 notice what the Bible says but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you he hath raised up Christ from the dead He that have raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your, what's it say? Mortal Mortal bodies. Again, the idea is simple. We are mortal. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 11. When you have it, just say amen. 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 2 Corinthians chapter 4 In verse 11, the Bible says, For we which live are always delivered unto the death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our, what's it say? In our mortal flesh. Again, we are mortal. Notice these verses. Deuteronomy 8, 18 verses 10 to 12. Notice carefully what it says there shall not be found among you anyone that make this son or his daughter to pass through the fire or that useth divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with what my friends familiar spirits or a what wizard or a what? necromancer for all that do these things are in a what Uh, an abomination unto the lord that means there should be no christian that goes to the astrology page and figures out am i pisces am i what's those other names they got cancer so how y'all know those names (laughs) huh Christians are not to be engaged with those type of things. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, notice this, cause and effect, and because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive out them from before thee. Leviticus 19.31. Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. what does it say? I am the Lord your God. God. So there's a, listen, listen, friends. I literally many times, several times, I can count on my hand five times maybe, have encountered these evil spirits in person. In person. In possessing other people. At one time, I was in my house, and my wife and I were in that house, and this young lady had opened herself up, and she was literally, I, can, I will never forget it, she's sitting on the couch in my house, and she's, we're, we're sitting there, and we're trying to help her. We're trying to counsel with her. Her voice changes, and then she begins to mock the missionaries. And she begins to say, they're probably singing those, those, those hymns, those songs. You remember that, sweetheart? Those same old songs. They're probably singing those same old songs. I said, that's the evil spirit. Brothers and sisters, this is not a game. Like, what I'm telling you, you may not know that you're encountering. You may not know that you, you're coming up against this. But, my friends, you must make sure that you remain pure and you're connected with the Most High. You must, my friends. Many times we've had these type of encounters. One time, man, I don't even want to tell you all those things, man. Let's just read the Bible. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 5 and 6, For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not. What's it say, my friends? Doesn't know anything. Neither have they any more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also, their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. The dead don't know anything. So if folks are going to talk to you, I mean, you see it on TV all the time. Famous people going to sit and have special readings. Who are they talking to? They're not talking to their family members. They're talking to unclean spirits. Now, listen, let's just say you don't believe that. Let's just say you recognize what the Bible teaches in regards to these things are being unclean spirits. If you then watch it on television for your entertainment, tell me, are you going to be clean or unclean? You're going to be unclean. You can't watch it. You can't sit there. You can't be entertained by it. You must turn it off. Shut it off. Open your Bibles. Pray. Put some spiritual music on. Don't touch the unclean thing. Men and brethren. I like this one. Because some folks think that when you die... I remember I I had memorized several hundred verses, and I wanted to challenge uh, or find out about another church. So I went to another church, and I just wanted to see what they understood. So I, I, as a young guy, I was like 23, 24, and I went to the church. I asked to speak to the pastor. I said, pastor, you know, what do you guys teach about what happens when you die? And he didn't have really good answers for me, so I just asked him a bunch of questions, and I asked him about this verse right here in Acts chapter 2. Because I, I read the verse and it says, men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is, what's it say, both what? Dead and what? Buried and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. I read that verse to the man and the man was confused. I said, sir, do you believe David was a righteous man? He said, yes. So wouldn't you believe that David would be in heaven? He said, yes. I said, what does this verse say? He's both dead and what? He's both dead and buried. How could he be dead and buried and still be in heaven? No, my friends, he's not in heaven. He's dead and buried, and he's waiting for something. The Bible actually teaches us what he's waiting for. So I, I found this. This is from a person that believes in spiritualism. Now, this is, there are several branches or several different denominations even within spiritualism. But in this, con, if this person's idea of it, notice what it says. Spiritualism's main focus is to promote an individual to have a personal experience with God. Wait, doesn't that sound like what we're supposed to have? Brothers and sisters, pay attention. Spiritualism is a religion that is not based on a relationship with a particular savior, recognizing all prophets that came to mankind through the ages, not setting one above the other. Stay with me. We're gonna come back to that quote in a minute. Spiritism claims the dead are not dead. The fundamental principle of spiritism is that, the, is that human beings survive bodily death and that occasionally under conditions not yet fully understood, we can communicate with those who have gone before. This is John Arthur Hill, Spiritism History Phenomenon and Doctrine, page 25. That's one person, one of their tenets. Spiritism claims the dead communicate with the living. There is no death in the graveyard. I have frequent talks with the dead. I cannot doubt that people I li- that people live. After death, for I frequently talk with them. This is what folks believe. In the Bible, there's a story of King Saul. He wanted to find out information from Samuel, so he goes to the witch of Endor. Notice she's a witch, and she was in Endor because the witches weren't supposed to be known. Saul covers himself and disguises himself to go visit this witch. The Bible says that the witch calls up Samuel from the the ground, from the earth. Now, first of all, if you believe that Samuel was a righteous man, he wouldn't be coming up from the ground. Are you understanding? And the other thing that was interesting about the passage, we know that it's not Samuel because he's wearing his prophetic uh, cloak. And we know that Samuel, when King Saul ripped it from him, he no longer wore it from that day going forward. So we know that this spirit is not Samuel, it's actually an imposter. It's a familiar spirit. Are you understanding? So we have a biblical example of this. Let me pass this. So what about the thief on the cross? Remember, there's a a phrase that was used at at the cross. It says, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And remember Jesus' response? And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee today, shalt thou be with me in paradise now you see where that comma is okay pay attention to the comma let me pass that for a second jesus saith unto her oh the reason why we're doing this this is mary you remember mary at the the tomb jesus saith unto her touch me not for i am not yet ascended to my father but go to thy brother now why that why is that important remember when jesus rose from the dead on on Sunday he's saying I haven't gone to my father yet but if Jesus said in this verse go back go back here if this verse has the proper punctuation it makes it seem as if that day Jesus is going to be in paradise are you following the idea so we have a contradiction however it is easily resolved one moment here notice this and he said unto Jesus Lord remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom The Bible was not written with punctuation. It was added centuries later by the medieval church, okay? So they're doing the best they can, putting the commas and the periods and all, all these different things. So understanding that, notice this. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto you today, see where the comma is? Shalt thou be with me in paradise. Notice this sentence. A woman without her man is a beast. You guys like that sentence? You don't like that sentence. So who is the beast in this sentence? The man or the woman? The woman is. Okay. Well, let's move a comma around. A woman without her man is a beast. (laughs) You guys see that? There is power in punctuation. Jesus said unto him, verily, I say unto thee, move the comma, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Remember, punctuation was not in the original. And it's beautiful because you can see the multiplicity of scriptures to come to make the the point extremely clear. Are you following, my friends? There's power here. The Bible was not written with punctuation. It was added centuries later by the medieval church. So I want to read this. Again, I'm defining these terms because there's also another warning in Scripture. Spiritualism is a monotheistic belief system or religion postulating a belief in God. But the distinguishing feature is belief that spirits of the dead can be contacted either by individuals or by gifted or trained mediums who can provide information about the afterlife. Spiritualism is the science, philosophy, and religion of continuous life based upon the demonstrated fact of communication by means of mediumship with those who live in the spirit world. I don't want to read too much more about these things, but I want to get to this one. Not that one. Not that one. This one. So we were reading this a few moments ago. I want you to pay attention to the rest of this. Spiritualism's main focus is to promote an individual to have a personal experience with God. Spiritualism is a religion that is not based on a relationship with a particular savior, recognizing all prophets that came to mankind through the ages, not setting one above another. It is rather based upon the idea that that we are all to form our own relationship with God and to obtain guidance and accept responsibility for our actions based on our interaction with that personal guidance. We are able to have that instant and personal communication directly with God with no intermediary. Hence the reason why we do not give anyone a fixed idea of God. Now, my friends, whether you believe in spiritualism or not, if you own this concept in any way, you are a spiritualist. How would that apply? Let's just say, have you ever met someone and they say, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. You ever heard somebody say that? So and now at that point, they're saying, I don't want the machinations of religion to restrict my own individual spirituality. Now on the surface, that sounds wonderful, right? Because I don't want to be restricted by anybody's religion either. I like my, I like my freedom, right? But at the same time, they're saying, it's my personal. I've created it for myself. Do you see it, my friends? Is actually a doctrine of the devil, and it's influencing many minds. Watch what else it says. Watch this. Pay attention. It says, any attempt to personalize the idea of God only limits the totality of that intelligence, being the reason spiritualists sometimes refer to that idea of God as infinite intelligence or infinite spirit. Another significant difference is the belief of Survival of death by the personality, meaning that we still think of ourselves the same after death as during our physical life. Jump down to the red. Another major difference is that we believe that the nature of mankind is to be, what's it say? Good and what? Come on now. This is the teaching and doctrines of devils, brothers and sisters the nature of man is not good. Left to ourselves at any moment for any time frame, we will be in all sorts of dirt. Have you, have you not watched yourself? Have you not for, said, I'm not going to do this anymore and still done it? That's because your nature is corrupt without God. But pay attention, That phrase, that red phrase right there, I'm going to show you how it's not just in the world, but it's in the church. I'm going to read it one more time. Another major difference is that we believe that the nature of mankind is to be good, not a sinner. We do not believe in sin and repentance. Only spiritual progression by natural law. We also do not believe in vicarious atonement. You know what vicarious means? That substitutionary atonement, Jesus dying in my stead? Don't believe in that. Now look at the bottom sentence. You see this? The bottom sentence. You need not aspire to be a medium or healer to be a what? Mercy. Let me pass this. I'm past this. Oh, no, look at this. Another quote. At the transfiguration, remember transfiguration. This is when Jesus shows up, and Elijah and Moses are surrounding him. At the transfiguration, during a what's I say? Come on now. At the transfiguration, during a séance, the spirits of Moses and Elias materialize. You see now, not only is spiritualism spiritualism is taking scripture now, reinterpreting the Bible is entering into the church. I'll show you more. Spiritualism throughout the ages. Babylon had hundreds of gods, gods for the days of the week, days of the year, for nearly every profession or or trade. However, all the various factions recognized that the sun god was preeminent and believed that the dead weren't really dead. Egypt also believed that when a person died, they really didn't die. A present reminder of this belief are the numerous pyramids. These pyramids were the burial places of their god kings, the pharaohs who claimed to be go- the pharaohs who claimed to be gods and immortal. The Egyptians believed that the souls of those who were buried in the pyramids would ascend up special shafts and out of holes near the top of the pyramids. These shafts, by which the souls would leave the pyramid, were pointed at various constellations. Greeks and Romans. The Greeks believed in life after death, ghosts, and unburied souls who supposedly walked through the earth in a state of limbo. It was believed that after death, one had to be transported by boat across the river Styx. The mysterious underworld was said to be ruled by Hades. The Romans also believed in a spirit world that included aspects of the concepts of an immortal soul. The Aztec, the Inca, the Maya, the Mixtecs, the Zapotec religions of South and Central America believed in various forms of life after death and that a vital force would separate from the body after death. Buddhism, Hinduism, paganism, Scientology, Sikhism, the New Age, and many others believe in the concept of reincarnation, that after death, your spirit or soul can be reborn into another body. Do you remember what I told you when we first started? I told you 99.9% of the world believes that when you die, you don't really die. And this teaching has found its way into the churches. Let's go a little bit further. Watch this. Lady Gaga. Aunt Spirit helps me to stay focused on career. Lady Gaga's dead aunt helped the pop star kick an addiction to cocaine. And it goes on. That's what she says. I don't know if this is going to play, and I don't even know if it's going to play well. If it plays, bear with me for, for a moment. All right. So did you hear what that said? Did you hear me? Make, did I make anything up? Did they say to you, I empty myself and I let the spirits come into me so I can do this act. So I can do this play. Now, now my friends, when you see it, your eyes are open. Now if you close your eyes now, you're just going to say, I don't care. That's problematic. The world is being affected and infected by these unclean frogs. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. We're living in the last days, brothers and sisters. See this one? Who is this lady? This is Beyonce. Now, you can't really see it, but that little thing that looks like a goat on her Right there is it's the goat head. It's the Baphomet head. You see what her name, that name behind her? What does it say? I am. Whose name is that? That's God's name. So this woman has a Baphomet head on her body, which resembles that creature right there. She is clearly indicating her allegiance, brothers and sisters. And somebody says, well, this is just art. No, that's not just art. Art is an expression of the soul she's communicating. When I'm on stage, I'm aggressive and strong and not afraid of my sexuality. The tone of my voice gets different, and I am fearless. I'm just a different, what's it say? And it says, a woman possessed. Beyoncé is gripped by a spirit so powerful, it even has a name. Are Are you paying attention? So I told you, brothers and sisters, we're just gonna, this is one of these subjects that if you, aren't, if you just want to put your head in the sand, you can. But I'm telling you, you need to take every verse that I gave you and hide it in your heart. We're going to be tested personally and individually on this point. She on, went on to say, when I see video of myself on stage or TV, I'm like, who is that girl? That's not me. I wouldn't dare be like, do that. I created my stage persona to protect myself so that when I go home, I don't have to think about what it is that I do. Sasha isn't me. I wouldn't like Sasha if I met her off stage. Statement, I have someone else that takes over when it's time for me to work. And when I'm on stage, this alter ego that I've created, that kind of protects me and who I really am. No, she didn't create that, brothers and sisters. I don't need Sasha Fierce anymore because I've grown and now I'm able to merge the two. Mercy, brothers and sisters. Uh, I wonder if you can hear this. Watch watch what Jay-Z says. Watch what he says. What did he say so top hip-hop godfather of rap if you want to call him that he said himself out of his own mouth I get possessed by the spirits so you can't sit in your car as a Christian and listen and bob your head to it you can't do it it makes you unclean let's go a little bit further It's one of my favorite people but I want you to see something. Watch this. We're the 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 oh. All right, before I go any further, did you guys recognize any of the other people sitting in the, in the group? Who were they? Tony Robbins, you guys saw Tony Robbins? Did you saw Richard Branson? You saw him there? Everybody in that group is sitting in what color? They're all in black. It says, what do you do when you get to the top? You go over the top. Watch this. Pay attention. Pay attention. All right, who was that? That was Kanye. Uh Uh-oh, I missed. Something happened. Let me go back. So watch this. So Kanye's there, Tony Robbins is there, Jerry Rice is there, all my favorite people. Okay, I'm not saying that these are bad people. So look at that picture. So I want you to see this. You see, this is his hand shape. You see this over here? What's that right there? That's that little Kobe thing. He has the th- new thing now called the mamba. And then he has this over here. This is not by accident that one eye. Why is he doing that? In fact, let me back up, because there's actually a question that's asked by Kanye that I want you to hear. He said, you're welcome. Why do you say that? Back it up. You're welcome. So why do you say that? I'm gonna pass that for a second. Why do he say that? He has his hands like this, one eye right here, and he's almost giving homage to another power. You're welcome. Brothers and sisters, these imagery is not by accident. And I'm gonna show you this guy, and hopefully it's not too loud. This is the, one of the greatest basketball players to ever play. What did he do with his hands? So he does. All right. So he does the, the there's a sign for the goat of Mendes. He does a, a Lucifer sign. He comes down and does the, the symbol for the Illuminati like this. And then he does triple sixes. Well, what's triple sixes? It's a symbol for Satanism. So that he, he used to, I don't know if he still does this, he used to do this before every game. Throws up signs, gives a little symbol. Why are you doing this? Gonna, let's just say they're all innocent. Okay, let's just say Kobe's innocent, LeBron's innocent, Jay-Z's innocent, Beyonce's innocent. We must be careful, brothers and sisters, because sometimes we can be used and don't realize that we're being used. Are you following what I'm saying? So I'm not here saying this is a conspiracy. I'm saying that the devil has infiltrated and contaminated the majority of our world. And you must protect yourself. You must find your safety in Christ. First Timothy 1 Timothy 4 verse 1. About, watch this, watch this. Obama apologizes, apologizes to Nancy Reagan for, what's it say? Seance crack. What do you mean? What are, what, what are you talking about? Notice. I didn't want to get into a Nancy Reagan thing about, you know, doing any seance, Obama explained, before adding that he reread some of Lincoln's writings and President Carter and President Bush Sr., as well as the current president, have all been very gracious and offered to provide any help that they can in this transition process. So he's making reference to a seance. Time magazine, good heavens, an astrologer dictating the president's schedule. astrology in the White House. Sounds strange, but I I see Ronnie. At nighttime, if I wake up, I think Ronnie's there, and I start to talk to him. It's not important that what I say, but the fact is I do think he's there, and I see him, she says, and this is after he dies. Now, I've met... I've sat and given a Bible study to one gentleman, went over these very verses that I'm going over with you. And he said, well, Andre, if these verses are true, who comes to see me every night? If this is true, who's coming to see me? I said, sir, what does the Bible say? He said, well, the Bible says that the dead, when they die, they're dead. They're not in heaven. They're not not walking around. I said, well, sir, in the name of Jesus, you need to rebuke that evil spirit. My friends, we must be careful. Oh, I I do need to let you listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. All right, so she says this. Do you guys saw that? That's, that was a real conversation. Oprah said there's many ways. And that she's confronted with the reality, Jesus is the only way. She said, no, 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 you can't be so narrow-minded. You can't be so narrow-minded. But well, wait, there's more. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pass this one for now. We'll, we'll, we'll go to another one. I'm going to pass that for now. I'm Want to pass that one for now? I want to read this one. Hopefully you picked up on some of the doctrines of, of, of devils. In fact, go, I want you to go to 1, 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 before I, I let you read this one. 1 Timothy 4 1. Notice what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 4 verse 1. And it's getting late, so bear with me here. It says, Now the Spirit... Speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of who, my friends? Now watch what this guy says. The church problem is that it has had a God-centered theology for centuries. Well, before I go any further, what? Is that the church's problem that has had a God-centered theology? The church's problem is that it has a God-centered theology for centuries when it needs a what? A a man-centered one? Wait, we're not bad, merely badly informed about how good we are. Now, where did we read that already? We read that from, that from Genesis, but we also read that from that whole document from the spiritualist lady, right? spiritualist lady said there's no such thing as sinners. She, he's saying the same thing. The doctrine of devils has found its way into the church. Notice, we're not bad, merely badly informed about how good we are. It would be an insult to the integrity of any human being to call him a, wait a second, well, how, what are we preaching about? What, what are we calling people to repentance for? Unless we are sinners. It says, Jesus knew his worth. His success fed his self-esteem. He suffered the cross to sanctify his self-esteem. And he bore the cross to sanctify your self-esteem. The cross will sanctify the eagle trip. You tell me, is that a doctrine from heaven or a doctrine from the devil? You can't sanctify the eye problem. Huh? You can't sanctify the eye problem. The eye must be destroyed. Self must be put down. Notice this one. This is an interesting, uh, that, that quote came from a book called From Him, uh, Mr. Kennedy, page 115 on the book Self-Esteem, The New Reformation. This is from uh, Peace of Mind Through Possibility Thinking. Be careful what you read. The most effective mantras employ the M sound. This is when you set yourself in a, a state of meditation. You can get the feel of it by repeating the words, what? I am, I am many times over transcendental meditation or tm is not a religion nor is it necessarily anti-christian well if you're telling yourself that you are i am that's a problem and i say this with all respect so that it don't so you don't get upset too bad but i say it anyway when i read in the bible where he says i am i just smile and say yes i am too Are you guys seeing this? These teachings are finding their way into the churches. You must be careful, my friends. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And they shall no more offer their sacrifices unto devils after whom they have gone a-whoring. This shall be a statue forever unto them throughout the their generations. And I want to end with this story. I want you to go to the book of John, John chapter 11. You have been patient. I appreciate you. This is warm in here. Some of you are taking short naps, which is okay. It's good to take short naps in a sanctified place. I want you to go to John chapter 11. And I want you to see this. John chapter 11, beginning at verse 1, the Bible says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus, of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that he saith, that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples said unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth not, because there is no light in him. Verse 11, watch carefully. These things saith he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus, what's the word? He sleeps. But I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Now, the disciples said, oh, if he sleeps, that he does well. Verse 13, however, how be it, Jesus spake of his death that they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest in his sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is, what's it say? Dead. Lazarus is dead. So Jesus equates sleep and death. All right. Stay with me. And he says, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. So he goes, he gets there. I want to jump down to the conversation in verse 21. Watch carefully. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now whatsoever, that even now Whatsoever thou ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Pay attention. Martha said unto him, I know that he will arise again in the resurrection at the last day. Please note that her theology is sound. She knows when he's going to come up at the resurrection, right? But wait, she's missing something. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection. Amen? Amen? And the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he, what my friends? Live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had said, so said, she sent, went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying the master come and call for thee. As soon as she heard that Jesus arose, that that she arose quickly and came unto him. Now, Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then now the reason why I'm reading this, friends, is because I want you to get the context. I, I could just go to the verse and prove it, but I want you to see the story. And in the story, you're seeing Jesus interact with people that have a, a misconcept of who He is and what He's doing. He's interacting with people that don't know exactly what He's about. He's saying things that is going right over their head. I am the resurrection and life right over their head." Watch. Verse 32. Then when Mary was coming to, G- to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, "Lord, if thou hast been there here, My brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. Now, please please note, Jesus is not weeping, because he's misses Lazarus. Jesus is weeping because he is what they want, but they are not receiving him. Can you imagine if I, I have life? I want to give it to you. I have a million dollars, and you need a million dollars, but you're suffering. And I say, here's the money. You're just like, well, I don't have a million dollars. So he's weeping, and he's crying because he is life. He is life. Now tell me something. If you don't believe in Jesus and you have an immortal soul, whose life do you have? Immortality comes to those who have Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Life comes because you have a man, the walking dead man, if you will, Jesus Christ himself. He's conquered death himself. Notice this. I love. I love reading this. It says in verse number. Where do we stop? Thirty-six. Let's go to thirty. Let's go to thirty-eight. Thirty-nine. Let's go to. 30, no. Let's go to forty. It says in verse forty, "He have blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, that they should not see with their eyes or understand with their heart, and were and be converted, and I should heal them." These things say of Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. Nevertheless, am I in the wrong chapter? Yeah. I am. Thank you for, you guys are supposed to correct the preacher. Yeah, let's go, let's go back to 38. I was in the wrong chapter there. It says there's 38, Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave, it was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time, what is he? he stinketh for he have been dead how many days now the reason why Jesus let him stay in there for four days is because in that day it was official you were officially dead after being in there for four days so Jesus said I need an official death here to demonstrate my ability and my authority over the grave are you following the idea so after the four days notice what else it says Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Can you, did you see that with your spiritual eye? Powerful. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face bound about with a napkin. Jesus says unto them, loose him and let him go. Now, brothers and sisters, I wish I was there. I wish I was there to see the shock in their eyes, to see the mummified version of Lazarus kind of just coming up out of the grave. I wish I I was there to see that, the power of God. But let me tell you something. What happened with Lazarus, we're going to see in full scale at the second coming of Jesus. He's going to call names forth and folks are going to come out of the grave and I want to be there when he does it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Last, last verses, 1 Corinthians 15, and I'm going to let you go to bed because you got to come back tomorrow. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15. I want to start at verse 51. You guys are being very patient and good students tonight, but I had to give you this information. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to read verse 51. The Bible says, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Now, what does the word sleep mean? Death. 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 So we're not all going to be dead, but some will be dead. It says, but we shall be changed in a moment in a twinkling of the eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us, what's it say, my friends? The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, where is eternal life found? In Jesus. You and I don't have it innately. When we were created, we didn't have an immortal soul that walks around. There's no outer body, soul flowing, none of that. That is a deception of the enemy. In fact, as we continue our study in the future, I'm going to show you exactly why he's going to use this deception in the last days as he gathers everyone together for the battle of Armageddon. Now, My friends, do you, did you understand what we studied tonight? If you understood, just raise your left hand. Your left hand. If you didn't understand, raise your right hand. All right. Praise God. I'm glad you understood. Tonight, I just want to ask one more question. One more question. And this is a serious one. How many, with your right hand, how many accept Jesus Christ as your eternal life, as your Lord and Savior? Let me see your right hand. Praise God. Every hand in the room has been raised. If you don't mind, let's go to our knees. As the pianist plays, I just want you, in these few moments, to examine your heart. Is there any unclean thing Have you given an avenue for the enemy to come into your home, into your religious experience? Tonight, I'm encouraging you to give Jesus permission to put the enemy out. We can't do it. There's no natural ability for us to put the enemy out But we can ask the strong man to bind him. Is there anything in your life, any bitterness, any anger? Father in heaven, a lot of information has been shared this evening, but Father, information alone won't save us, but a knowledge of your dear son will. Life is only in your son. Please, Lord, help us to accept that reality. Help us to follow your word. Help us to leave the unclean thing, Lord. We ask for the gift of your spirit to remain not just with us, but be in us, Lord. Forgive us for our sins, Lord, for they are many. Forgive us for our rebellious heart, Father, for we have rebelled for so long. Help us to surrender to your word, for I know for many in this room, the things that were shared this evening, they had never heard. Please give us a willing heart to follow your word, Father. We are living in the last moments of earth's history. Thank you, Lord, for being a wonderful, loving God. We pray this in the name of Jesus, and we claim the merits of his holy and most precious blood. Amen. Amen.